What's going on traders? Welcome to the day trading show. Today, we're talking about a very controversial, a very hot topic. Do indicators work? Yes, is the short answer, but not if you're using them incorrectly. So what we're going to do is break down the indicators that our team at ASFX is using and how we're using them. We're going to give you some real tactics and techniques on how to implement these into your own trading. If you want to see us using indicators in our active trading, we are running live trading streams in a live trading room format every day of the week through the New York and London sessions on ASFX TV. So there's a link in the description wherever you're watching or listening for a three-day free trial to ASFX TV. So if you enjoy today's episode or you enjoy our content, come watch us trade, make money with us. We'll show you how these indicators are working. So check out the link in the description, make sure you're subscribed and enjoy today's episode. What's up, traders? Welcome back. So today we are talking about indicators, kind of a hot topic. I feel like, and I'm curious, maybe James, give me some feedback on this. I feel like less now I'm hearing people say indicators don't work. I feel like that was very popular years ago. Do you think it's changing? Do you think more people are coming around to using some type of indicator in their trading? Or do you think I'm just not listening closely enough? No, I definitely think that people are coming around uh, a lot more. Actually, by, um, as as we're filming this right now, which is the 30th of January, 2023, um, Brian Shannon, Shannon just came out with his new book, The, the View App, uh, on, on the, view, uh, the Anchored View App. So I think definitely more traders are coming around to the idea of, of indicators within, with, with using price action in their, in their actual trading. So I definitely think more people are coming around to the actual concept of it because it works. Yeah. Definitely. I think it works if you know how to use it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So before we get into things, I do need to let everybody know, I'm going to put a link in the description to our events page. I, I let you guys know the other day, Riley finished the website. I'm actually rocking an old 2019 seminar t-shirt. If everybody can, can see that rocking a seminar yeah, I think you, I think you're just wearing it because the the Eagles won this weekend well that too that yeah. too I get, <laughs> gotta rock my Philadelphia seminar right so this was actually the first seminar we ever hosted now we're on our 11th seminar so what we did for this year everybody for the listeners if you go to our website asfx.biz and at the top you'll see there's an event tab or just go to asfx.biz slash events now you can uh, see all of our events free events and paid events so we're doing free meetups which actually James and Evan, I got a lot of guys already signed up for the London meetup with Tom. That's coming up in March. So people are already signing up for that. We've got a couple of tickets sold for uh, the Tampa seminar coming up in February. And I even sold a couple of tickets already for the London event next December, because now if people listening want to be at our London seminar, we're offering a discount and split payments. So you can lock your seat in, get the best price, have plenty of time to pay it off all before next year. So all of the events, free and paid, all the locations, all that info is now on one place. It's kind of cool that our business is growing big enough that we actually need that. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. James, yeah. you've been here for like the whole thing. You know, you've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it grow from 180, 80 uh, traders. So yeah, definitely. Um, and we're on Telegram, but I think right. we need to do one in South Africa. Maybe I'll organize one in South Africa, whether it's in Cape Town or Durban, maybe, you know, free meetup for the ASFX traders, maybe sometime this year as well, because they, we do have quite a few traders with our fly to Cape Town right now. It's just hard for me to get to the States. Yeah. Um, and the UK. Um, you That's know, a good like, idea, bro. We we should yeah. actually think about that because it's you easy should. to get to Cape Town. Cape Town, we know there's a bunch of traders. Even if you do it Correct. in Joburg, is Joburg closer to you? 
Uh, Joe, yeah, Joburg or Cape Town. Either way, I can fly to other other one, and we and we can do it in either Joburg or Cape Town. Yeah. So comments, tell us in the comments. Do we need to get a South Africa? Even if it's later in the year, we'll plan a free meetup yeah. later in the year. We'll do it at a bar. It's super easy. I mean, listen, just everybody listening. Make sure if you go to the London event, or we're going to do Birmingham and Manchester this year, so there'll be three UK meetups for sure with Tom. Please, guys. Don't let Tom get too drunk, all right? He's going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, why are you telling him, Austin? I'm telling him because last – James, do you know this story, bro? Tom, I know the story. He Evan, do you know this? He wandered off, bro, at the it London event. Irish goodbye. Irish yeah, goodbye, bro. Straight up just me and Riley, you know, we don't drink that much. So I'm there. We're hanging out. We're drinking, eating pizza. Bar is packed, bro, because it was during the World Cup. Brazil was playing Switzerland, so we were watching the game. Tom's buying – we're buying tequila shots. We're drinking, but, like, no one's, like, trashed. Next thing you know, bro – I think Tom goes to the bathroom. 20 minutes go by. Tom's not back. I'm like, where is he? We're searching the whole building. It's like searching. Can't find him. He just straight up <laughs> dipped. He was fine. He just went back to the hotel. Straight Irish goodbye. So everybody, if you come to the free meetups, keep a uh, leash on Tommy. All right. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> listen, let's get into the topic for today. So we're talking about indicators, right? And like I said, I think um, it's becoming more popular to use some type of an indicator, whether it's a VWAP, whether it's the TDI like we have, or just EMAs, moving averages. So today I want to just kind of cover all of it from advanced to beginner or beginner to advanced, whatever you'd like to say. I want to talk about from our perspective, get Evan to share some of like how he's using the indicators a little bit different than me. So I think what we should do for the three of us is like set the stage for this conversation and talk about first why indicators work and how to use them. So I'll kind of kick us off in that direction, and then we'll roll into talking about specific indicators and what we think of them. Talk a little bit about MACD, volume, volume profile, just kind of give, an, I give some opinions on all those indicators. So first, what I'd like to say about do indicators work or and or why do they work is I find that a lot of people try to use indicators for entry signals, and that's just the wrong way to go about it. Indicators are just an indicator of trend, of what price could do. They are never, in my opinion, I've never seen an indicator be an entry signal. Now, can you code an indicator like our A2 indicator that tells you, hey, this is happening, so you should look for entry? Yes, and that would be a form of like a, an EA, maybe something like that telling you that your trade is ready, but the indicator itself has never been an entry signal. And what I would also say is one indicator is not normally enough. So where I'll pass the stick over to, to Evan first in a second is like, Ev, you've been around now with ASFX and you've seen the value in EMAs, exponential moving averages, and the TDI. The TDI, Traders Dynamic Index, is basically an RSI. The RSI pulls its information from volume. The EMAs pull their information from price. So you, in your experience, Ev, and same thing with you, James, you both have really good backing in understanding indicators from two different sources. I find that a lot of new guys are only using one indicator. Maybe it's just EMAs or just an RSI and a MACD or something, and they're just not getting the full picture. So Evan, I'll pass it to you, like I said, first. Can you speak on how you have found success and where you find a lot of confidence with the combination of the EMAs and the TDI? Yeah, like you said, I don't think you could use just one. Like we often often take in trades where our RSI is in the sell zone, but we're looking for longs and the EMAs say longs. And you can do that, but that's just not the compliments we're looking for. So when you pair the two together, you can get two in the right direction and the same direction fitting your edge just gives us all more confidence. And like you said, it's it's an indication of what might happen, what could happen. It's not, okay, just put a buy order there. So you can't just use it as an entry signal, even though we do somewhat for their A2. It's uh, a special situation that not every indicator does that. We built right. it for that. 
Right. But you, uh, you have to like remember the A2 for everybody watching. The A2 is one of the strategies we trade and that now we teach in the starter pack. It's what we talk about on ASFX TV. The A2, though, ha it has rules that compile themselves together to paint this special indicator that we have. It's free on TradingView. Just search ASFX A2 beta and you'll see it. But what that indicator is doing, and just to be clear on what I've been saying, it's taking information from EMAs and from the TDI. It's taking two sources of information still to just make it clear for you, hey, this is where you want to look for entry. But you made a really good point, Evan, and then we should pass it to James here too. You talked about using the indicator to see what could be possible, not what is. I think also where people get hung up with indicators is they think it's a definite, right? James, like, oh, the RSI is above the L50, buy. Like it's every time it's going to work. Speak on the probabilities of indicators, James, a little bit of like how none of them work 100% of the time to exactly what you think they would do. Sure. Um, well, I think I'll start off with the Anthony Crudelli quote. He says, um, everything works sometimes and nothing works all the time. It's a good one, so, bro. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, just to start us off, I think, so as traders, um, I think now we're not saying in, just go put on any random indicators. You have to have the correct indicators that work well together. For us, we have found that the TDR and the exponential moving averages work well in conjunction with each other. When we have them both agreeing, um, they work really well to know, uh, together. We're not saying go use the Achimoku cloud and the TDR or whatever. It is. Like it's, it's, you have to have the right indicators that coincide with each other. Um, and then just on, 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 on indicators as well, I think the best indicator is actually price action. Um, so you have to use the pr price action with the actual, um, the indicators itself. I think that's one thing, especially in the last year, what I found with, with you know, trading ASFX systems now for over three years, is that you still have to take into account price action. And that's what I love about the ASFX systems, that we used indicators, but we're still using price action and structure to, to coincide with the, with the actual indicator. So as I said, nothing works all the time. Um, everything works sometimes and nothing works all the time. So you can't just buy something and it's 100% guarantee if the RSI is above the 50 value and you, it's just not going to work. Indicators um, also can be lagging. The best indicator is price. So as long as you're using indicators that um, that you have a backtest system with along with an, uh, with price action indicators and price action, you're, you're on the right foot. Yeah, I think that's also why the A2 is working really well. Whereas I would, I mean, if we're being really honest and we be very critical of like the way of our trading strategies, the A2 has proven to be one of the best entry signals we've ever had because of the price that you get in these trades at. You're getting in at a better price sometimes than the D1 or the A1 entry would put you at. So when you look at it from like a, well, what is the best price perspective? The A2 is the one that's giving you that entry, which is why people are finding so much success with it. You know, as like to go on with that, specifically the EMAs, I find a lot of new traders want to trade EMA crossovers. Oh, the eight crossed the 21. Oh, this crossed the 15. And they just trade that crossover. I find that like trading crossovers has never been a, a super successful strategy. Even though one of our entries uses the crossover as a part of the signal, we know that there's more to that entry than just the EMA crossover. There's other variables that have to be met. So I think back to Evan's point, it was said the best, these, these EMAs, these TDIs, these indicators are telling you what could happen, not what's guaranteed, not what should, but what could. It's similar to like, do you guys 
have you ever seen those graphics? Maybe like baby pips made it or whatever. It was like yeah. when USD CAD and there was like a green arrow goes up and then it was like oil goes down. And it's like these correlations that if you just look at this document that they put out there on the internet for free, you're going to think, oh, every time CAD goes up, oil must go down. No, the top of that document should have said when we all saw it, these are not guaranteed 100% of the time. Correlations are not 100% of the time. The same thing for the EMAs, where it's not 100% of the time. Think about the trade on EuroCAD Tom had like a week ago or two weeks ago. Perfect A2 trade, beautiful structure, beautiful EMAs, stop them out within 20 seconds. They happen, like they still happen. But this is where we've talked many times about like, you have to look at your one trade as a trade of many and in a data set, the outcomes are unknown, blah, blah, blah. We're kind of, we'll put that off for a different, we've talked about that on different podcasts. So let's dive deep here, boys. Let's talk about the TDI since that's something people probably don't know about. Ev, what do you like best about the TDI? And maybe if you want to tell everybody what the TDI settings are that you're using and everything like that, we have the RSI and the, the one or two moving averages. Yeah. So I think if you watch me or Austin, you see that we took off one of the moving averages. We just have the stationary 50 and the RSI and they're all good. You can still use the, uh, I actually turned it on today. I used the moving averages to see what it was doing, but uh, I like the RSI just for mainly divergence and overbought oversold conditions, even though with the A2, we're not as concerned with divergence or overbought still always want to keep it in the back of your head. And then I even like the L50 every day. That's the first thing we look at. That's how I build my watch list. Which ones have the best L50. Okay. I'll look at these three. So if you don't have just building a sentiment of this one's perfect, this one's swapping, it makes it a lot easier for me to build my watches of what I'm watching that day. And the L50 for everybody watching, that's slang that we teach in our course for liquid 50 or market sentiment. So it's a yellow EMA. You can make it any color you want. And this EMA moves up and down around the RSI. So the RSI is relative strength index that is gathering its information from volume, as I said already. So now if you have something that's gathering its information from volume, and then you put a moving average on there, that moving average that Evan's talking about that we use for trend for sentiment, that is actually gathering its information in this case from the volume, which I think tells a lot. It's reading buyers or sellers and saying who is in control. So if there's more buyers than sellers, that L50, that sentiment line, trends above the 50 value. When it's overbought, it'll be over 70 or 80. When it's in a, when sellers are in control, it'll trade under 50. So for those of you that are listening and are not using that indicator, go to trading view, go to indicators, type in ASFX TDI. You'll see it. It's very easy. It's, it throws right on your chart exactly how we use it. Now, James, with that TDI, how have you been using that to stay selective in your trading? Because I think what people really like about our group at ASFX is we push selectivity. So what are you doing to filter out good trades on the TDI versus bad trades? Sure. So um, as you guys have just been mentioning, the liquid 50, uh, the, the the moving average that determines trend, um, we want it to be in one zone the whole day. So if it's coming in at the change of day and it's in the bar zone um, and it's consistently in the bar zone, when I get to the desk for the London Open, um, that's going to be something that I look to you know, to, I'm going to be looking to buy that pair that they're obviously looking at the exponential moving averages to see if they are also in an uptrend. Right. Um, and obviously if it's, if it's coming into, it starts the day in the bar zone and I get to the desk at the London open and it's dipping into the sell zone and swapping into the, into the, uh, underneath the 50 value into the sell zone, that's not going to be a, a pair that I'm uh, looking uh, to, to trade because it's just, gonna, it's just a, it's, you don't have a confluence of, of trend there. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you, Austin, what, what is your, favorite indicator at the moment um within the asfx systems and how are you using it as well as on what time frame 
Good question. I think mine would either be the TDI or the 21 EMA. My my 8 and 21 EMA give me my A2 entry that I've been trading really well. But without the TDI, I wouldn't be able to have the discretion to say which A2s do I would not want to take. Like this is it's a good question because today we had a good example. Evan and I were discussing this morning on the live stream um, or before the live stream, the SPX ideas. Remember, Ev, those two A2s today, they were yeah. clearly A2s on the 15-minute. Definitely could have taken it short. But with a little discretion, you can see L50 is swapping. It's not in a clear trend today. The The signal of the A2 indicator says the EMAs could be better on a higher time frame too. So it was very easy to avoid because of the combination of those two indicators. Mm -hmm. So I think what else the indicators do, and like specifically the 21 EMA, and the eight EMA is it gives you an indication of what trend should you be trading. Too many times traders will try to fight simple EMAs like the eight and 21 EMA. And if you go on my Twitter, I had somebody tweet at me today. You told me to never fight the eight and 21 EMAs and it changed my trading forever. Just that one rule of not fighting short-term trend, I think makes a huge difference. So it like takes your brain to the next level of like, okay, now I'm really reacting to my trading with these indicators, not forecasting. Because, bro, I mean, look, you could use the indicators in a complete opposite way. Like, Evan, we've seen some of these guys. Price is way off the 8 EMA, and they're just trying to sell it because it's way off the 8 EMA, right? And we know that that is not a trading strategy. Now, this is, I think, something we should talk about. When you understand how to use indicators, too, it gives you the opportunity to say, do I want to be in this trade or not? It's not a question of, do I have to take this trade? You never have to. So the indicators give you the discretionary ability to be like, no, like I said today, swapping L50 EMAs don't look good. I don't want to be in this. Even if it's a winner, I'd be more pissed if I lose than if I don't take it and it is a winner. Everybody listening, write that down or document this, mark this minute. That's a great question to ask yourself before you take a trade. Would I rather, actually, would I be more pissed if I take this trade that I don't love and I lose it? Or will I be more pissed if I just don't take it, it's a win, and I miss a win? If you'd be more pissed if you take the loss, then you just don't take the trade. And it's a really good way to figure out, are these indicators telling me something that is probable or just something that I could read? Another example, GA today. Ev, you saw this. Four or five long entry signals on GBPAUD. It doesn't move anywhere. Why? Because the 800 EMA is on top. The EMAs are not in full trend, and we could see that very clearly. So even though the TDI looks great because the EMAs are not great, it's not the highest probability setup. And this comes down to it, right? When you're using these indicators and you're able to like dig deep to say, this is a good one. This is not a good one. This is a good one. Then you have the ability, or then it actually puts the ball in your hand, the the, the firepower at your fingers to be like, now I know how to trade signals because I'm reading these indicators correctly. How do I not take all of them? Because I know some of them are going to be losers. So then you have to take it to the next level of like, how do I apply proper discretion to not take more losers than winners, which is, I think, the trickiest part. Once you come around to be like, yeah, of course, indicators work. What pisses me off is these guys on Twitter and stuff that'll be like, anybody that trades with EMAs is stupid. Dude, like how you're just saying that for clicks and favorites and retweets. Like that's not actually real because the EMAs, any indicator, it's gathering information from price. In any indicator that does anything else, I don't know about all the indicators that I've ever seen, they gather either information from volume or price. That's it. So how can it be fake? You're just not using it correctly. So yeah. maybe Ev, I'll pass it to you for a second with a question. What do you, can you remember when you got started in trading? Was it hard for you to come around to wanting to use indicators or did you just buy into it instantly? Cause it made sense to you. Yeah, it just made sense. I bought into it and like everyone knows maybe that uh first time trading was with Ace FX. So the same indicators that I, first learned are the ones i'm still using you're a lucky like, man i am we've altered them a little bit that 
the TDI has changed a bit. Now we add volume. Right. But uh, pretty much the whole time, that's now three years, three plus years of using these EMAs. I've clearly seen the power of what they can do and what they can't do. So it's just been in my favor the longer that I use them. Especially on volatile assets. Look at like how powerful the 8 and 21 shift alone when they cross up or down, how that can really dictate trend for a whole day and open up trading opportunities on lower timeframes and stuff like that. So yeah. And James, was it the same thing for you when you got started in trading? Did you have to be, did I have to convince you when you took the course a couple of years ago that the indicators worked or did you already buy into that? <clears throat> So I'd already been trading for about a year and a half before I actually joined you. I was more swing trading. Um, I was using uh, exponential. I was using exponential moving averages before, but mm -hmm. more in the hard time frames, like one hour and four hours, trying to swing trade just didn't fit my personality. Um, so I just bought into it because I saw, you know, what uh, you know, I'd been watching on YouTube and that and that sort of thing as well. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me, actually, well, I'll talk from from this from our side was uh, on the currencies was the Asian range, and I'll give a little little tip here. So in the Asian range can be sort of looked at as an indicator as well. Um, yeah. And if you're trading currencies, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass you guys a question as well. Um, but the, this is a little tip for everyone listening. The Asian range, if you're trading currency pairs, if you're trading within the Asian range, which is the first eight hours of the trading day, um, we actually have an indicator on, on TradingView. You can actually get an indicator that shows you the Asian range box. If you're trading within the Asian range and price hasn't actually broken out the Asian range with a body on the 15-minute chart, you could likely see chop before we actually get a break out of the Asian range. So that's just a little tip. And I think that was one of the biggest you know, in, um, uh, indicators that we use in, with regards to currency pairs is this, when price is inside that Asian range on a currency pair, you can likely see chop before we actually see some breakout to the upside or downside. Now, I want to ask you guys, maybe Austin first, how are you using the Asian range? Do you use the Asian range with uh, crypto and indices like you do with, with the currency pairs? Good question. I And I have people ask me this all the time. So like I'm only trading US 500 right now. I use the Asian range similar to what you just described, where if we're in the Asian range and I wake up and we're, which is not often, honestly, on the indices, maybe it happens on a day when we have like news coming, like on Wednesday this week, we have two o'clock in the afternoon news, like this time of day. It could chop all day before that because it's such anticipated news. But normally, SPX, NASDAQ, they're out of the Asian range. So what I'm doing is I'm just using the Asian range high or low as a level to retest and trade off of, similar to what we would do in Forex. But I would agree with you, anytime something is in the Asian range, oil last week on Wednesday, so choppy. It wasn't even really the Asian range. It was even... Asian range high and yesterday's low, a little bit lower than the Asian range low. And it was just trading in this range. So using that idea of like, what did the pair do or what did the asset do in the first eight hours? Using that to say, are we moving in a direction or are we going sideways? That can help a lot of people too, because I'm sure someone listening to this has been chopped around trading something that was in the Asian range, whether they knew it or not. So just waiting for the break or going to find a different pair is a really good way to trade it. And I think same thing with crypto. I would say, to be honest though, when, I've when I was trading more Bitcoin because the spreads were better last year with my Forex funds, they're not that good right now. When I was trading more crypto, I have some trades in the Asian range. It is a little bit different, I think, because you're looking at a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week market, completely yeah. different. I don't know if it abides by the same ideas, but I think the reason Forex and indices do is because who is awake trading S&P during the Asian session? Nobody. So yeah. naturally, it's going to get bigger and start moving more when we get to the New York and London session. So I think for them, it makes sense. But like, who's trading Bitcoin in the Asian session? Some people. Who's trading in the New York session? Some other people. Like, a, it's just, it's a different market. So I think indices and crypto, 
are different, but like you could put indices and Forex and commodities together in one in my head. What do you think, yeah. Evan? I think for all assets, like you said, it's definitely a good place to look for a retest, trade off those levels. Yeah. We've definitely all been looking for those. And I would even argue there's maybe like two ways to interpret the Asia range is that if you get to the desk, for me, it's about five hours after the Asia range stopped that if we're still inside it, never broke out of it. That's a clear sign for me that we're looking for chop. But even if we broke out, and now we're getting a pullback inside of it. I find a signal in there. I don't even really love that, that we couldn't stay out of the Asian range and continue trending in a direction. So I want to be clear outside the Asian range and maybe trade the retest. But if we can creep back in it, I'd still be cautious of some chop because we should be trending well outside of it six hours from when it closed. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with um, that. So I wanted to also just touch on for the, for the, for the um, viewers and listeners, the time frames, time frames. What time frames are we looking at on these indicators? Because everybody's, you know, going to look at indicators that maybe have never used the TDI indicator before, or the exponential moving averages, and be like, "But Austin, it looks different on the fifty-minute chart compared to the one-hour and four-hour chart." You know, so um, what time frames are we tra trading these indicators on? Because as I said, the L50 could be good in the sell zone or buy zone on the fifty-minute chart, but it can be swapping on the on the four-hour, one-hour, or look completely different. On that time frame, why yeah. is that? Maybe Austin can speak about that. Why? Why do they look different on on different time frames? And what time frame are you using the the A two indicators uh, uh, on and the L fifty and the yeah, exponential moving averages? So I'll go real quick, Evan. Then you, I'll pass it to you. I'm finding success. I'm only trading the fifteen minute and the five minute. So. I'm going to look at the 15 minute first and then go to the five minute if the 15 minute favors that. And then I'll look for A2 entries on the five minute. If I'm trading on the five minute though, I'm still looking at the L50 on the 15 minute. I'm still looking at the structure from the 15 minute. Of course, the structure is the same, but I'm specifically looking at that 15 minute L50. For example, we take a five minute entry that looks pretty good. It's under Asian range low. We're selling it. But let's say the 15-minute L50 is not perfectly bearish. I took a trade like that last Tuesday. I will size down in that trade, even though I'm entering on the five-minute and taking profit on the five-minute, stop losses drawn from the five-minute. I'm still sizing down because that 15-minute L50 is not in my favor enough. So like for me as a day trader, I'm not swing trading at all unless it's like a small position on SPX that I play for some fundamental reason. All of the day trading stuff is starting on the 15 minute. I think that is the best time frame for day traders. And then you go to the five minute, but still weigh the 15 minute in your judging or in your grading of the trade. What I definitely don't recommend is do not try to combine all the time frames. You'll drive yourself crazy. I'm telling people if you're a day trader, I'm looking at the daily a little bit, little bit of one hour and four hour, but mainly look at the daily, then look at the 15 minute. Try to keep your analysis simple. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I think... For me and you, we trade the 15 and the 5 majority, and you'll rarely have the 5-minute be a perfect L50 in sentiment. Right. But the 15-minute looks great, so you can't just – if you add that in and you add in the 1-hour and the 4-hour, it's pretty rare to find full confluence, so you're just never going to take a trade if that's what you're waiting for. Right. So, yeah, you just got to use your own discretion there. But I think even if you look at the daily, the way it's used differently on our 5 and the 4-minute, uh, 15-minute and the 5-minute, the L50 is going to take a lot longer to get into a, an opposite zone. So the shift might have happened six days ago, but now the L50 is still in the sell zone. So, but you could still go long. But yeah. on the 15 minute, that was four bars. That was an hour rather than four bars. That was four days. Yep. So you definitely got to use a little bit different on the smaller time frames. That's a great point, bro. We should definitely bring that up again. Like what what you're, and I'll say it in a different way. You, you could have a perfect 
and again, we're talking about the TDI, everybody, and that sentiment, that moving average, because that is what we really have. It's back tested. We're all doing it and it's working to find trends. So if you struggle to find direction day to day, use the TDI, use the yellow L50, use that moving average. But what Evan's saying is you could have a, a four hour and a one hour look super bullish, but the 15 minute could give you bearish signals that might be the start of a move down. So you want to, I guess, be aware of the higher time frame. But if you know your best entry time frame and management time frame is the 15 minute, I'm still going to be willing to take those short trades. I'm going to size down in them probably because it's not going to be in full trend. My indicators will tell me that. So like instead of getting an A signal on the on the 15 minute, maybe I'm getting an E or an F signal on the A2 indicator, something like that, because EMAs could be better, right? Whatever. But I still would consider taking that trade because like I said, the 15 minute is where I trade from the most. What do you think, James? You want to add anything on that? I think, no, I think you said that pretty well. Um, as I, I liked what you said there, but if you find, if you are a trader that's struggling to identify trend, the L50 is a great place to start. I agree. Yeah. And the EMAs. I mean, if you're yes. using yes. the TDI and EMAs, okay, 8 and 21 EMA cross down, L50 says be bearish today. You're going to win more trades than you lose if you understand how to use them. And maybe you should implement our signals because we've back tested them with those indicators. But like that's going to put you in a highly probable position versus L50 is swapping or chopping sideways. And you're just looking to trade off of the next EMA cross in, in a direction. You want to really like Evan, you said it, you want to get the slope of the EMAs the falling L50, everything moving in a direction up or down, and then see the break of the Asian range. Look for that retest. You don't want it to come too high again, and then you want to continue to follow that trend. So it's a lot of things coming together, which I feel like is probably part of the reason people cop out and they're like, no, I'm not going to use indicators. They don't work. you know. And I, I just feel bad for those people because they make their life harder without indicators. I think they'd catch bigger rips if they knew how to use indicators. Don't you guys agree? Yeah, I would even say that there's some days where we could look at the L50 and say, by the end of the session, this probably moves in that direction, but it's just not giving us a signal to get in. So we don't, yes. don't want to just gamble and throw in along because it says it probably should. Right. So there's many days yeah. where we have our direction, we have our bias, we just can't trade it. And there's the times where we do get a signal and we're following our bias on our edge. And there's complete confidence and no hesitation to trust our TDI because we've used it for years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's direction yeah. and timing. The indicators yeah. help us with timing and direction in their separate ways. The timing is going to be, are we going to take the entry? The direction is going to be, which way are we trading today? So this is where people always make analogies about like you're a sniper laying for your sh laying in the bush waiting to make your shot. You know I'm going to shoot this direction today. It's just a matter of when is that guy walking into my crosshairs? When is that trade coming into my crosshairs? Were you going to say something, yeah. James? I wanted to say about the timing. I think timing is also very important. So um I, what i found in my trading stats is my best times of my trades i trade the currencies during the london session is between 2 a.m and 5 a.m eastern time so that's it's 9 a.m to 12 a.m south african time for those in south africa that are listening but it's 2 a.m to 5 a.m eastern uh the reason being is because that's around when the european open is the frankfurt open is at 9 a.m south african time 2 a.m eastern time and then the london open is at 3 a.m uh, eastern time which is 9 uh, 10 10 a.m right now at the, at the moment south african time and that's so you have to you have the 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 timing along with direction yes you can have direction from the indicators but you also your timing is very important so just for those listening as well that's another little tip the best time to trade is an hour pre-london open into two hours post-london open 
Let's talk about other indicators other than the ones we use for a second. Talk about MACD, Bollinger Bands. We used to use Bollinger Bands on the TDI. They originally come on the TDI, volatility bands. Do you guys think that any indicator works if you understand how to use it, or do you think some of these are not useful? What is your opinion? No facts here, just opinions. Um. Well, I'll go first. I I personally don't think uh, uh, that you can't say it's not useful because I think all indicators essentially are from are built off some form of mathematics, right? It's built off some form of maths involved to derive from price. So, and at the end of the day, maths is a, is a, it's it's objective. Ma indicators. The thing I like about indicators is they're not subjective. They're not like okay, well, I think this is a high or low, but well, it can't be because the indicator says this and it's built off maths. Maths is pure objective. So you can't say that the indicator is wrong. You just got to know how to use the indicator. So I think all indicators serve their purpose. Um, you just got to know which ones uh, uh, you work best with and how to use them. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a time and a place for them. And if it's not working for you, then find one that does and that you like to read that's easy to read. I would even say that it's more so it's just been easy for the less like indicators you could have on the chart. I would say it could probably favor you, especially in the beginning. If you're just cluttering your screen with indicators, then you're probably not going to get confluence and there's too much thinking going on, too right. much discretion. But uh, like uh, James said, it's all mathematics. It's all inputting data. It's up to you how you interpret it. And if you can interpret it over and over again, then you start testing it and you find probabilities in it and profitability in it, then yeah, you can't say it doesn't work. If you could show me it works, then it works for you. So the better thought is just pick an indicator. Pick someone yeah. that's using an indicator and learn how they're using it well. Stick to that indicator. Don't try to mix and match and bounce around. It's going to take you a lot of time. You know, we're like, for example, when we back tested the A2, part of the back testing was not just what is price action doing. The A2 was back tested over eight different variations long and eight variations short depending on EMA position and the TDI position so you can back test any of these indicators for an entry signal if you can generate the rules around it and you can see for yourself how profitable i would recommend look at for those of you guys that don't know trend spider is a website like tradingview they have a TDI they put it on there for me they i'm having jake on the podcast in a couple of weeks they're a really good company um definitely given trading view a run for their money and they have a great back testing like not software but like they have a, a feature on their charting platform that you can run back tests on your own you don't need to have python or c plus plus like we paid a guy for it and all this other stuff you don't have to do all that if you're trying to do some simple back testing on their platform so for those of you guys that want to back test what happens when the macd does this on this asset go test it don't just throw an indicator on there and try to make it work and try to guess, oh, because this is crossing, now I'm going to do this. I think you have to study the indicator, like Evan said, and then I would even backtest it. That would be something I would give you. You can go and read books on some of these indicators. They've been around for longer than all three of us combined. You know what I mean? For yeah. real. Like the Bollinger Bands have been around forever. These moving averages have been around forever. And like James said, it's based on math. So you can argue, oh, this doesn't work. Doesn't work for what? It's gathering math and stats and then spitting out an average in most cases. It's spitting out yeah. like uh, an, an, an equation and painting it as a line or a dot or a graph, whatever you have it set to. It's giving you an idea really of another way to either read price or read volume. So that's why I, I don't like when people say indicators don't work. You either need to give it more effort or you need to um, 
maybe try a different one or be more open-minded to say, maybe I'm just using it wrong. You know, if I'm looking at it to try to find entries, maybe I just need to be looking at it to give me trend for the day, you know, and then maybe I need another indicator. Like we have the EMAs and the TDI. Maybe I need another indicator to tell me when to get into the trade. Like the L50 dictates our direction. The 21 EMA has to be broken in order to get an A2. So you've got to have both of those indicators to get you to the potential of taking an entry. Then you need to read risk reward and all this other stuff to see if you actually should take that trade. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I very well said. I also wanted to add in there as well. I've, I've got a story about, um, I don't think I've told Austin the story, but we I like stories. Story time with uh, Nitro Bruce. Um, <laughs> so when I first got into, before I took Austin's course, so I, I got into trading, you know, you find, I don't, you might've heard of this as well, but um, first I wanted to say was there's no Holy Grail indicator. You're not going to find an indicator that's going to spit out 90% win rate with um, F1 to 5 risk to reward ratio. It's just not going to happen. So you got to, so you got to find an indicator that works for you, but this is my story. So I, I got into trading and, um, and I, I came across this podcast, actually good, good podcast, a really good podcast has some great, uh, you know, money, uh, uh, topics on there about money management, et cetera, et cetera. It's called no nonsense Forex on, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. So his, his system is based around like six or seven indicators, but he talks about like good indicators to use, but he doesn't give you the indicators that he has. But he trades the daily time frame and he's got six indicators that line up. Okay, cool. They all line up. I'm going to buy or they all line up. I'm going to sell. They, none of them line up or maybe one doesn't line up. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll still buy it, but it's not a high probable setup. So a lot of traders out there are coming about, you know, and I actually joined a couple of Discord or Telegram groups that actually used to look at the different types of indicators. The TDI was on there. And that's why I actually was quite familiar with the with the with the um the ASFX indicators on there. But yeah, it's really, really cool. You got to do the work yourself. But I just wanted to say there's no holy grail indicator that's gonna give you automatically. Or I still think the biggest uh the biggest um probability or determining factor is yeah, in your mind, that in your money management, the indicator just gives you an edge in the market. Okay, cool. This happens and you'll win 60% of the time at a one to one point one risk reward ratio, for example. Yeah, like that. And it's different indicators for different people. Like what works for us and like, it's not like we were friends and we wanted to trade together and it all, then we all liked the same thing. We all came together because we originally can trade similarly and like trade, like use the indicators the same way. So I think everybody has to understand you got to find an indicator, just like a trading strategy. It has to align with you. You've got to believe in it. You've got to be able to execute it well. You've got to trust it. And then you'll be able to use it well. If you don't trust the indicator, no shit, it's not going to work, bro. Come on, you know? So yeah, it's a good story, Nitro Bruce. That's that's funny that you, uh, you had familiarity with the TDI before even coming in. So I think for today, guys, I'm pretty content with the conversation we've had. We've touched on our indicators. And we definitely gave a lot of tips on how to read, how to use the indicators. We even gave people indicators to go test out. So I think we covered a lot. I want to know though, from everybody listening and watching, if you have questions about how to use the indicators more than what we covered today, if you want us to break down other indicators, give us specifics in the comments on YouTube or DM us on Instagram or Discord. Let us know. We're more than happy to deep dive on any of these indicators. Even if we need an episode specifically to deep dive the EMAs or the TDI, we can make that happen. But we want to know from you guys. So let us know in the comments. But like I said, I think this has been good, boys. So we got a lot of exciting guests coming. 
you guys know this, right? We've got a lot of exciting episodes coming up, some big names. So make sure you guys, the listeners, you're subscribed. I'm going to be bringing Evan and James and Tom. I've got a lot of good guests coming for you guys. So stay with us here. We appreciate your attention, everybody, very, very much. Make sure you're subscribed here on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening, watching. We really appreciate the subscriptions, the comments, the thumbs ups, all of that stuff. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Ev, James, thank you, boys. 